Cause we are doctors, lawyers, mothers, footballers, first minister, port laureate. We're on the move, and I'm telling you, the glass ceiling's going. We're coming through. Rise up, eyes up, take the stage, play your game, don't be afraid. You're a work of art, or Jones of art. Always be proud of who you are. We'd like to thank Sharon Martin for letting us use her song Girl. She's got a new album coming out, which is on iTunes now, so it's definitely worth checking out. We'd like to thank Badge of Shame Clothing Company, who you can find on Instagram for making our artwork. And finally, a big thank you to Virtual Wealth, who are a sport insurance company who are sponsoring the podcast. So in this episode, we are joined by Beth Dobbin. She's a Scottish 200 metre record holder, personal best of 2250 in 2019, and is coached by Leon Baptiste. In 2018, British 200 metre champion, and has not had the easiest path to stardom. It was kind of been littered with seizures and PTSD, but nothing has held her back. So we'll probably start from the beginning, in terms of have you always ran? Was it always your passion? Have you done any other sports? Um, yeah, I think I was always a sporty child. Um, I really liked swimming, netball, round as the kind of classic um, sports you do in PE. Um, and that's kind of how I got into it at school. And then my dad is from like a footballing background, so he used to play football. And I just used to watch him doing exercise around the house. So he'd be doing like just little circuits in his room. And he'd go for runs like every weekend. And as I got a bit older, I just started to join in with him. And that was kind of when I like fell in love with like the whole pushing yourself to, to your limits. So, you know, when you're doing exercise and it really, really hurts, but it's kind of in like a, a good nice way. Feeling, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was kind of where I started to enjoy that. Um, and it wasn't until I got to secondary school that I kind of joined the athletics club. And from there, yeah, just it just kicked off and kind of went in through the endurance route to begin with. But then when I tried sprinting and realised I was good at it and probably the training was a bit easier and then stuck to the sprinting route. So in terms of sprinting, at what point did you realise, actually I'm good enough for the world stage? Um, I still don't actually feel like I believe it and it's so <laughs> weird. I think because of how late I've came, kind of burst on the scene, I still kind of doubt myself and still think, do you know what, am I, you know, am I still a receptionist or am I like an actual athlete? So it's so <laughs> weird, but I think kind of last year was the, the first year where I was like, right, I'm good enough to make teams. And if you make teams for the Europeans and the World Championships, you can make teams for the Olympics. So that's kind of my mindset at the moment I've made the past two teams if I'd done what I'd done the past two years next year I would be an Olympian by now so I kind of need to get out of that mindset of you know I'm not good enough I'm, I actually can do this and mix it with the best yeah like a bit of belief yeah yeah I guess that's a difficult one to change because athletics is one of these sports that typically you expect people to be like I don't like a big deal from when they are really yeah, young yeah, come a little later yeah, yeah that's exactly it and I think that's how kind of I'd written myself off and everyone else had kind of written me off around me I mean my coach and kind of therapists have always believed in me but no one thought I would do mm. what I'd done we, th we thought just as long as I could improve on whatever I'd, whatever I'd done the previous year that would be good enough and um, but yeah obviously it's taken off and 
kind of every athlete's goal is to make it to the Olympics. So to be in a position where that is looking like something that I can achieve, it's it's really motivating and that's kind of what's pushing me on this winter. Yeah, that's amazing. Hopefully our time will come on. So in terms of the Olympics, are you we got asked this on Instagram actually. Um are you looking to do indoors? Is like indoor season part of your Olympic qualification or do you put that to one side on an Olympic year and concentrate on outdoors? So this normally I would do indoors but this year has been a really weird one for athletics so the world championships have been like October time which it's normally in August so that's meant our kind of off season is at a different time than normal so normally we'd take kind of end of September and a bit of October off whereas now we're kind of taking end of October a bit of November off so we've kind of pushed it back a month so for that reason we won't you wouldn't have as much time to train for indoors so we've kind of knocked indoors on the head um, and just focusing on the outdoors and obviously the Olympics next year so yeah it is strange because it sometimes breaks it up a bit but I do think it'll go really quick just because of how long like how long we've had last year and how short we've got this year. Yeah. And you were just at the World Champs in Doha, so mm-hmm. how was that experience? Was that your first World Championships? Yeah, yeah, it was my first World Championships. It was it was an amazing experience, but I feel like I could tell it was my first World Championships. Yeah. Like there was that kind of nerves and kind of the step up from the Europeans last year was just insane. Like I, I went to the championships with only ever having been to a Europeans once. So that was kind of what I thought it was going to be like, but it was just a completely different level. Like at the Europeans, it was almost as if no one was taking it anywhere near as serious. And then when you get to the world championships, no one's messing around. Like everyone's really, yeah. really serious. So it's kind of a different level, um, but it was a good learning curve. And I think for me, because I've had quite a few injuries this year, it was like, I, I did myself proud to just make the team so yeah. even though I would have liked to make the final um, I think kind of on reflection I couldn't have done much more really and obviously with athletics like with 200 meter your competition's the same every time in terms of it's you in a lane yeah. so like what changes is it like the atmosphere and I guess knowing that there's people around you that have better PBs like is it that sort of thing that adds pressure yeah I think because kind of I'm, I've always been at a certain level and then just last year made the jump I kind of really buzz off a big atmosphere yeah. because it's not something that I'm used to um, so it has a really big impact on me and I think that's why I ran so well at the anniversary games this year because it was kind of a whole home crowd in the Olympic Stadium a full like audience and um, so that kind of pushed me on to, to run a personal best and um, so yeah I'd say kind of I try and focus on my own lane and not think about others but you, you can feel the atmosphere um, and fortunately by the time I got to run at the Worlds and um, the atmosphere had improved because at the start it was kind of not much crowds and things like that but when I came to run it, it was a lot better. Yeah. In terms of um, your marshalling before a race mm-hmm. is there a difference in kind of your national meets mm-hmm. to your European meets to your world champ meets? Um, I think I, I treat them all quite sim- similarly um, just because in athletics it's you against the clock so obviously if you run a bad time everyone can see that and it's kind of it goes next to your name for life so that can always be traced back to you so I always take every race really really seriously but when it is the British champs or obviously the world champs it is that 
that different level but I, I don't feel like I do anything different I think my coach will just kind of train change the training and obviously there's a lot more nerves especially for the British Championships because it's brutal because if you don't cross the line in the first two places like that's your like dreams over so yeah it's, it's not an enjoyable experience until after you cross yeah, the finish is. line yeah is there any mind games that go on between athletes to psych each other out before a race um i've heard of stuff but for me personally i feel like the girls that i run against um the majority of us know each other really well um and are quite good friends so i don't know I, people say that the like between sprints the more towards the 400 meter you are the the nicer it is um so so i think some of the 100 meter probably guys can um can play the mind games but i don't really see that see in, that in yeah the, in the two the um you could probably you won't, probably won't go up and hug them before the race <laughs> but afterwards like everything's fine yeah <laughs> no drama like i hate playing against like people that are yeah yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's the athletic, you would know everybody because it's the same people all the time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, it's weird. Like, you kind of just see them as an athlete before the race, and then afterwards, you kind of see them as a person. Well, yeah. That's kind of what I do because obviously, everyone, it's a selfish sport, um, so everyone just wants to be the best on the day. So yeah. there's no like, oh, she's my mate, whatever. And, and I, although I wouldn't say we're mates, we just kind of like, know each other and we're, we're friends with you. well friends but not like close friends I'm not explaining this very well yeah. <laughs> um, no we get on but yeah we probably mm, yeah, there's some of them that I would I would spend time with but yeah <laughs> don't worry it's just her mum's at least yeah so yeah don't drop me so you came to Loughborough then in would it be a 2012 yeah 2012 and was that move was that motivated by athletics 100%. I mean, I, I wanted to come to university, but I wasn't even that bothered about my course. Um, I literally just wanted to be in love. Yeah, really. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of sports people say that. And I remember saying to my mum, like, if I don't get it in Loughborough, I'm resitting my A-levels until I do get into Loughborough. Like, I was just not going to come to university. I was adamant on coming. And I think it's just changed my life. Like, not probably degree-wise. I... I did my degree and kind of got it done but my athletics was the reason I was here and and yeah that was kind of what took priority really. And since coming to Loughborough your coach has been Leon Mm -hmm. and that's been the same the whole time you've been here? Yeah that's been the same I kind of got lucky to be in his group because when we joined there was two sprints coaches and they were both new at the time and I emailed them both didn't really know because they were both ex-athletes so I'd have been happy to go with either um, and it was just that Leon replied first so I literally just went um, to his group and the other coach I think lasted about six months as a coach and then wow. then left so I always look back at that and think wow I'm so lucky yeah. that I chose Leon because I think if I'd gone the other way then obviously the group would have got filled up and I wouldn't have had a space in that group so I don't even know if I'd be in the sport today. It is so funny like everybody that we talk to there's just such tiny things that happen in your journey that yeah. you look back at and you're like actually that made such a difference yeah. at the time you don't even yeah. appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. And kind of conversation that me and Bonner were having was that like in athletics you choose a coach and you go somewhere mm-hmm. for a coach whereas in rugby like you don't choose your coach. No. no. Yeah. There's like other factors at play mm. where you base yourself or what club you go to. Yeah. yeah. But it would never really be like what well, if your coach leaves it's not 
like that's you don't want that to happen or like it's totally above our heads yeah yeah Yeah. I think that's like athletics I say it all the time it's such a selfish sport yeah and you literally are doing it for yourself and although like every athlete has a huge team behind them you're just in it for yourself and it's it's weird obviously you want to make your family proud and, and your team behind you proud but if something's not right for you you the majority of athletes just won't put up with it and they'll just move elsewhere um, I think it, it can be a bit different if you're like on funding if you're funded by British Athletics and there's a coach that they wouldn't want you to go to um, that might be a bit different but 90% of the time you, you have to say where you go mm-hmm. and with that kind of, just because you've mentioned funding so the year that you won the Euros mm-hmm. you actually weren't on funding were you? No so Which I was actually insane yeah, like the magnitude so, yeah. of that is huge it, it was that year was just such a whirlwind like I was surviving off like five hours sleep every night it was just I just felt ill all the time and I don't know training just seemed to still be going well and it was so weird because you read all these articles about how important sleep sleep is and I just think well I was having no sleep that that year Um, yeah so I I feel like you can definitely get through a year with no sleep but I don't know about that obviously it's a very scientific study I did on myself Um, but yeah um, I, I just think how I got through that year um, working so many jobs kind of no free time I think it just shows you can just do like if you just block it out almost and think this is why I'm doing this and this is why I want to do this you can just get it done and yeah. don't moan about it <laughs> so what were you doing that year because I know that you were on reception at Porky's because yes. I seen you there yeah. I know you were on reception at the high pack yeah. I seen you there so that is one job, but in seven different facilities. So that's why I could always, well, that's why I work so much because kind of if someone was already covering at Powerbase, you had six other facilities to choose from. And then I also worked on the security gates, which again have two security gates, east and west. So there's plenty of shifts to pick up on. So that's two jobs. And then I had Thursdays off training. So I used to go into schools and do talks, which was the most rewarding but the travelling that was what killed me and that was more tiring than being just an an eight hour shift at the reception and then I worked for a company called Power of Ten which is the like data for athletics oh yeah so Um, yeah and they basically input stats so that was I could do that whilst I was at the reception job so I was like double pay while I'm there (laughs) and I feel like I spoke too openly about that and I've not had any backlash yet from any bosses being like why are you not doing this you're supposed to be doing that but yeah so I kept myself very busy but I think in a way it's good because your mind can't worry about oh you know that didn't go well in training or you know I need to be doing this you just non-stop all the time and I almost not preferred it but the lifestyle I think did suit me and I think this year I've not worked as much but I think next year I probably will pick up more shifts just because I actually enjoy being busy yeah Yeah. I think we found that certainly like previous Mm. conversations we've had that it's actually quite nice to have something to go away and switch off from training yeah totally not related Mm -hmm. especially if you pick up an injury as well it's really nice to have a little bit of normality as well yeah definitely I remember doing the 70s and being like oh I can't wait for a break I've been training for so long and then your break comes and you're like what should I do today yeah like there's nothing what am I to do with my life and I think at least with the the reception jobs I'm just sat there like I'm not lifting anything heavy I'm literally getting paid to just sit there so sorry I'm really slating my job here (laughs) but um, yeah it's like it wasn't strenuous the only issue really was the lack of sleep but 
shouldn't really do me any harm. <laughs> and you are on funding with British Athletics now? Yes. So how has their funding like enabled you to train more and recover more? And yeah, so I think financially that's probably the best thing about it because um, obviously that means less shifts at work. So yeah, the fa- financially it really, really helps. But I think the, the thing that I've kind of stuck with is that I had my, my own team around me before like my success. So I didn't want really want to change that. So in terms of the therapist, I, I still use my own therapist. There is one person at British Athletics that um, I, I kind of added in extra, but I just didn't want to replace anyone that was already in my team. Um, so yeah, it's not really that much t- change, probably just the financial side of it. I guess that is quite interesting that like you, once you are on funding, you have access to so much support, but actually yeah. it's like, well, I was doing great without yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's not as if... I won't use it in the pa- in in the future, but it's just the fact of bringing it in gradually. So, mm-hmm. um, like even the S and C, we kind of touched on it last year. Obviously, I've always done gym work, but kind of doing it more specifically. Um, last year, I'm going to kind of change next year to do probably a bit more. So now then, what does a typical training week look like for you? And like in terms of like the volume of training, but also nutrition, like how do you work it? So it's very different kind of winter to summer. So in winter, it'll be lower quality, but kind of higher quantity. Um, so we'll be doing a lot of grass runs and kind of getting the volume in the legs, a lot of high repetitions in the gym, heavier stuff. Um, so we'll probably run three to four times a week and lift three to four times a week. We'd probably do like three hard weeks and then one easy week. Um, but then in the summer, it's a lot less volume. So it's quality rather than quantity so we'll kind of do maybe three reps at a really high quality whereas in the winter we might do eight reps and kind of just getting that lactic feel so it is very very different and I think kind of what what I've missed this season is I had an, a bit of an injury throughout last winter so I kind of missed a lot of that winter um, base so this year is really important for me to get the winter base in and I think kind of nutrition wise I've always just done the same thing and tried to not overcomplicate it so kind of just eat healthy and make sure you're getting your protein your carbs your veg um and I don't know if I'm missing a trick with nutrition because I'm like oh I've always managed to do it on my own I've never really had that much help with it and I've never really kind of struggled with it but I know a lot of people need a lot of help for it so I think probably my mum's done a good job making sure I'm having all my fruit and veg so I'm just like yeah I can take care of that but yeah I just kind of stick to the basics I kind of think it's if you kind of are interested in sport anyway, it's quite like obvious. Oh God, I'm, I'm, I'm like seeing their jobs worthless as well. God, good job. It is just our mums. Um, no, but I think I just, what I like to say is I like to keep it quite simple, simple. and not overcomplicate things. If there is something that I'm like lacking, then yeah. To, to work with a nutritionist and kind of improve that but I think just at the moment I just keep it quite basic and that oh seems God. to be working the title of this podcast is going to be Beth Dobbin thinks recovery's a mess <laughs> yeah <laughs> nutrition's a mess yeah just do what you want <laughs> and you'll be fine and then when the two interviewers are the universe yeah <laughs> I know I'm glad everyone's see it, seen that I'm so professional so <laughs> training for the 200 metres what is the like longest run you'll do if you know what I mean like what's the highest volume um, we probably wouldn't go over 300 metres in training, um, and that's enough for me. <laughs> it um, gets the lactic burning. Um, so it's not kind of as bad as the 400 metre guys, and I think I do show traits 
that I will be a strong 400 meter runner in the future so I'm gonna have to kind of increase the length as the years go on but yeah at the moment I wouldn't go really over 300 meters yeah is it 400 meant to be like absolutely brutal yeah mm. I just I just watch the girls that are training for it for, for it and they're on the ground just like dying all the time I'm like do I really want that <laughs> um so I think I will only move when like my f- performance starts to go down for yeah. the 200 in terms of your nutrition for you mentioned winter and summer training and that you keep things very simple (laughs) would you fuel more naturally in the winter than you would in the summer yeah I think because you're just working like harder and probably doing a lot more like the guys at the track today some of my group have started back and they they were at the track like five hours today and I'm like wow like you must really need to refuel after that so I think naturally you just eat more after a big session or eat more when you know you've got a big session whereas in the summer we will only do like a couple of big sessions a week so yeah you just kind of ease off it a bit and and obviously when you're trying to build muscle you need to take a lot of protein in this is very scientific (laughs) um but yeah I think I just kind of just I base it on what session I've got, to be honest. What was your degree in when you were at Lockheed? Psychology, so not sports nutrition. <laughs> I was going to say, what well, sports science in yeah. yeah, Yeah, all that. <laughs> Do you use a psychologist? Um, <laughs> I, actually, I actually have spoke to, to the British athletic psychologist, but I don't think about actual psychology. I just go and her, to her and have a run about whatever I need to. Yeah. Um, so I don't think I've actually used it for sports psychology but I did speak to one when I was like as a Loughborough student I think he still works here and um, so yeah I'm not I'm yeah. not damaging all areas yeah. of sports so, <laughs> nutrition no SC psychology yeah, yeah. good yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so on that um, we touched upon it at the start your journey has been a wee bit rocky um, and within like media and things you have had epilepsy and mm-hmm. stuff how did that come about? Have you always had it or did it flare up during different ages? Yeah, it was really random. So um, I remember having like twitches and like involuntary movements, mainly in my hands. Um, and I remember I was trying to put my mascara on before school and I was doing it in the mirror and I couldn't do it because my like neck was rocking back and my hand was twisted in. And obviously a teenage girl, I was more concerned that I couldn't get my <laughs> mascara on than what my body was doing. And I remember shouting my, to my sister like, they I can't put my mascara on. <laughs> and um, I don't know even if I told my mum. I just got on the school bus and went to school. <laughs> oh my God. And then, yeah, it was that day at school. Um, I It was round my... Well, the school I went to, we did a lot of like mock exams before your GCSEs. Um, so I wasn't at GCSE level, but it was when we were doing like my first ever mock. I think it was GCSE maths. And um, it, yeah, my first one happened on that day. And it, it, it was a, a really scary experience. It was, especially because I didn't really know what it was. Um, I knew it was bad because kind of I could still see before I went unconscious I could still see kind of my friends faces around me and and they didn't look too happy so I I knew it was a bad situation but um, it wasn't until kind of I came around and and went to hospital after that I realised that like the seriousness of it. Mm. That's mad so what age were you then when that first one happened? So I was 12 think 12 or 13 on on my first one and apart from the mascara incident in the morning you didn't anticipate at all no I think the day before I'd had some the day before was the actual mock exam 
Um, so I could have been a bit older, I could have been 14 actually. My mum always has a go at me for forgetting the age, but I, I <laughs> yeah, from yeah, like, yeah, so very, bad. yeah. Um, so I could have been 14, but yeah, the day before, and um, it was before the exam, and kind of my hand was like moving inwards, but then throughout the exam, I didn't experience anything. Um, and I remember my teacher at the time was like convinced it was blo- low blood sugar, so I did get a free Mars bar, and um, so that was the highlight <laughs> of my day, obviously. Um, so yeah, it, but it was it was kind of it wasn't until I looked back on it a few years later that I realised how awful it actually was, because mm. um, kind of at the time when you're young, you kind of just go with the flow, um, and I, I had some really good friends around me. Um, but yeah, now I'm older and I've looked back on it, it's it's probably affected me a lot more than than I would have liked it to. And then from that moment, did you have to go into quite heavy medication? Mm. So there's epilepsy is like really complex and there's loads of different types. And with that, there's loads of different types of medication. But I was really, really lucky that the first, med- I think there's like 20 odd types of medication. The first one they tried me on worked. Um, and it prevented seizures happening ever again. Um, I, st- I did still have a couple of funny turns, but I never had a big seizure like that to this day. So um, thankfully that worked, but it did come with a lot of side effects in terms of like um, feeling lethargic, feeling tired, having no energy. I just felt like I was really good at school before and then after it happened, I don't know whether it was down to the seizure or the medication, but I just felt like really stupid. Mm. So like the teacher would say something and it, I either wouldn't like like acknowledge it or process it um, or just it would everything just seemed to take me a bit longer. So then I ended up having to have like extra time for my exams at school. But it was just like weird things. I'd get really confused like... I would be trying to say a word, but another word would come out. So I remember it happening with a microwave. I kept trying to say microwave, but cupboard would come out. And it was just really weird stuff like that. And obviously, as you can probably understand, my parents and family probably found it quite funny. But at the time, it was just like... Frustrating. Yeah, yeah. frustrating. Um, and you, I would try and say something, and just something opposite would come out. It was, it was really weird. So how long did that last then after the seizure, like after the initial incident? So I was able to come off my medication. So to be fair, the the kind of not memory, but still to this day, I don't feel like my memory is is quite right. Like me, my best friend says it to me all the time, like how awful my memory is, and and I'll tell her a story, and I've told her I've already told her that story, and so I rely on her a lot because we've been friends since we were three, and she can just like remember everything for me. Um, but so I don't think it, it has not fully came back because I, I can I've not got any like blank spots. But I think just there is just something that I maybe struggle to recall whether I've said something. Mm. Um, but I was able to come off my medication um, not too long after my seventeenth birthday because I remember it was when I was trying to drive, and then I had to wait a certain amount of time after being off my medication before I could start learning to drive. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that kind of, as time goes on, I, I think about it a lot less. But when when things kind of that you need to remember or something that makes it kind of more like apparent, you just kind of think, oh, well, that I never used to be like that almost. Mm. Does that have, like have any impact on your training now to this day? Or is it just very much like in the past? I think I am quite slow at grasping things. So my coach will show us something, like do a demonstration, and then I'll 
like we'll go and do it and I have no idea what like he's just shown I would have to see it like a few times but then when I've got it I've got it and I'm fine but like my training partner um, she laughs at me because I'm like like doing it completely different to everyone else and they're like did you even watch that like what are you doing um so yeah I still think things like that but then I think once something's ingrained that's it I'm fine but then saying that my training partners don't know any of the warm-ups and it's still me that has to take us all through the warm-up so I can't be that bad <laughs> then how at the time then when it happened I guess you were already competing then with athletics yeah so was like that must have impacted your training like how long were you out for then yeah so I was out because I did lose the um movement down the left side of my body and um, so I couldn't walk or talk for I couldn't talk for it was about five days I couldn't talk for and then similar for my walking but it took like a long time to get back into the athletics so I didn't start for about another three months um and then when I started back I was just absolutely rubbish like before when I was doing it I was never like amazing but I was good and then when I started back I was just absolutely rubbish and I think that was probably a combination of the seizure and the medication and my mum used to always say to me oh this medication you know it's it's this it's that I think you'd notice a huge difference if you came off it and um, but that was kind of out of our control you had to go a certain amount of time seizure free before you could come off it um but then she was right because as soon as I came off it I would like my times just dropped by seconds which is huge in sprints um so yeah I think the medication was just having such a negative impact on everything as well as like being on the medication stuff, you both had three months out, you were on the medication till you were 17. Yeah. Like I guess with you like peaking late in the sport. Yeah. Like I, maybe it is reflective of that. Yeah. Like everything was just pushed back. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. If I had like four or five years on my medication, not doing very well, that kind of explains why I've had, I came through like four or five yeah. later, years later than my peers. So it, it makes sense. And kind of, I always do feel like I've got quite a young training age and just because missing not missing those years because I was still keeping active but it was just there was just no comparison um and there's kind of like a competition that all like like school children aspire to and it was called the English schools and I tried every single year to make the team and I couldn't even make the team um and it wasn't until my last year that I came off my medication and I made made the team by over a second which I'd not even got close to it before and then went and got a silver medal so for me that's how drastic like the, the medication was. actually was gosh so on that note moving forward you, you've had like some great highs over the past mm-hmm. few years um what are your olympic dreams ambitions if you've if you've got any to in the next i guess foreseeable future the next year or two um i think for me it would be so important to just become an olympian um because it was kind of something that i never thought i would um be and I always say my motivation is down to um so basically my best friend saw someone from school god I'm getting all juicy on this uh, <laughs> this podcast um my best friend saw someone from school um on a train journey and she, and it was kind of a year that my athletics had gone okay and I was like getting pbs and stuff but nothing amazing and the boy from school who was like asking about us all and he said oh how's Beth and she said yeah she's doing really well with her, her athletics and he was like oh she's still doing that and I just remember it just like 
like I was fuming. I was like, oh my God, of course I'm still doing it. I love my athletics. And then from that day, I had a thought and I'd never even considered the Olympics like as a realistic thing before. And I, from that day, I was like, right, I'm going to win Olympics and I'm going to prove, prove this boy. Prove him wrong. boy. He's proving wrong. Um, but I think about it probably a bit too much. I think he probably doesn't even remember he said it, but I think sometimes it just takes that, that one little one thing. thing. Um, because especially when you you do sport, I, I wasn't in a like proper graduate job. I was a receptionist, and and I'd not used my degree, and it kind of just kind of hit a nerve. Because I was like, I know deep down that I'm I'm doing something not amazing, but not awful. So yeah, pr- probably I shouldn't still be doing it, but it's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I wasn't at that time. I wasn't doing athletics really because I was that good at it. I was just doing it because I enjoyed it. So who was he to tell me that like I should or shouldn't be doing that? And then, yeah, from that day, I was like, right, I'm going to make an Olympics. I'm not sure how, because <laughs> I'm not running anywhere near the times. Um, but it was the the year after that that I actually like made the, my first ever GB team. So I've got a lot to thank him for, because I was so angry every day of my life after hearing that. <laughs> He's still clearly fueling your fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy how one little thing like that yeah, can just spur you on. <laughs> and what is the process um, in athletics for qualifications at top two? In long as you times. Yeah, so um, for, for the Olympic year, the times from the previous year also count. So I've already got the standards. Oh, amazing. Um, so that's like 50% of the job done. And then, yeah, I'll need to go to the British Champs and finish mm-hmm. in the top two there. So obviously I've done it the past two years, but kind of next year's like the big one when it really matters. So that is, touch wood. Touch we're all just saying a little prayer. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, girls. <laughs> we're good, we're good. Um, that is so, yeah. crazy how it works in that. Because like rugby, it's selection. So like if... Even if you have an absolute shocker at one tournament, the coach knows you from previous. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, with athletics, it's naturally yeah. mm. on um, the day. Yeah. And obviously, we have Dina as a 200 metre runner. She's um, alright. Yeah. And she's, you know, not too bad at it. So, so she doesn't necessarily do the, the 200 at trials because she's going to always get that. Because that, basically, they can take three and the third spot's like a discretionary. So, obviously, anyone in their right mind would select Dina as the, the third spot because she tends to do the 100 at trials. Um, so, yeah, if you don't finish in that top two, that, that's it. Your, your like dreams are over. So, it's, it's so nerve-wracking. Kind of on the, the day of trials in 2018 when I was having my successful season, I did go to the toilet before and have a bit of a cry. I was like, please have to get there. But it was just like, a, like something I've never experienced ever before the pressure was just because it was just riding and on this one race and you just kind of have to just react a bit slowly to the gun or you know just just one little mistake and that's it the the race is over so it's a lot of pressure um but yeah it's it's good pressure i think so it's before the race, you were in the toilet having a cry, yeah. and you went and what? Yeah, I was, I was so nervous, and I'm blaming my friend from work, because I saw my reception friend um, <laughs> there, she came to watch her boyfriend, and you know when sometimes oh, yeah. when, <laughs> yeah, and then, um, you know sometimes when you're like feeling like, oh my god, I'm not feeling good, I'm feeling a bit of mosh, and you see someone that you like know, and it just like hits to the surface, mm. and she came up to me, and I was like, I can't let her see that I'm crying for God's sake I've got a race to win um, and then we're like chatting and I was like yeah I'm feeling really good thanks yeah. ran off to the toilet like I'm so scared <laughs> um, and then I got it out of my system and I was like right I need to go out now and pull this myself together time. yeah I've had my cry but it's just it's just so much pressure so much on that just one race and it's not just that day it's like you've worked for it that whole year 
and when it's an Olympics, you've worked for it for a whole four years. So it's like, I'm probably going to be like crying my eyes out this time because <laughs> it's so much yeah. more important. But yeah. be tuning in. Yeah. Like, yes, right. Ten minutes out. She's, she's crying. Yeah. What right. is the down her face? <laughs> Race prep. It's yeah. It's <laughs> what she does. What is it like, uh, you mentioned Dina before, what is it like travelling with her and being in the same international team as her? It's so surreal because she's so nice and she's so normal. You wouldn't think she's like a world champion because she's just so nice and normal. Um, But it's kind of good for other athletes to see that, that you don't have to be, you know, like demanding or whatever you can you can be really nice and friendly and still go on and do well so and it's really good to see and also she trains in this country she always has um she trains i think outdoors for a lot of the year and she's with her, the coach that she met at when she was 12 or whatever and so that is really good for your, the young generation to see that you don't have to go abroad to find a good coach because I think a lot of people in athletics do. Was there pressure to do that in athletics? Not necessarily pressure, just kind of a lot. A lot of pe- a lot of Brits in particular seem to do it, and I don't know whether it's. I think it's a combination of obviously the weather because we have to like slog out the winter outside, and it's kind of when you're trying to run fast outside, it's really hard. Um, so you would. It's better for you to be. Uh, in a hotter country um, but then at the same time when someone like Dina does it it kind of puts it into perspective like well she's just stayed at home and, and done it so it can't be can't be necessary to do that um, so it's good to see another thing to the title warm weather training camps yeah. they're, they're relevant <laughs> oh my god I'm going to just be in big trouble after this podcast <laughs> on that so we spoke about Dina who's obviously a big name in herself yeah You've ran at some Diamond Leagues, World Champs now. Mm-hmm. Anyone else you've met that you've either looked up to as a kid or just thought, wow, you're pretty cool? I feel like most people, because of how late I've come on, I've watched them on the TV and I'm like, oh my God, they're there, they're there. Um, but I, I will never be beaten um, to meet Usain Bolt. That was so cool. And I got a selfie with him. This wasn't actually at a competition that I was competing at, but I got tickets for the Commonwealths in Glasgow. And he was running, and I pushed past like so many kids to get this photo, <laughs> like aggressively pushed past. And I got to the front, and my hand was shaking, as you can see. And um, um, then, we'll yeah, yeah. And um, I took like eight photos, and only one of them wasn't blurry because my hand was just going. I was like, oh my god, it's so good to meet you. Oh, and that, it was just like, it was a surreal experience. And obviously, Alison Felix this year. Oh, I got yeah. to race her um, and I like spoke to her after I was like you're one of my favourite athletes ever and she, she must think what a weirdo like you're a grown woman what are you doing this <laughs> happened to me before I came to uni Karen Atkinson was the, the netball coach for yeah. Lightning and I was down at a rowing camp in Bisham Abbey and she um, walked past the gym she was still playing mm. at the time and and I blurted out, Karen! <laughs> and she turns and looks at me and I'm like, I'm your biggest fan! <laughs> I was 16 years old. I wasn't even young. I was 16. And then I can't remember coming up to Loughborough and at the, my housemates knew about it at the time and Karen walks by and was like, oh no, she remembers I'm that person. But you just can't help yeah, it. Yeah, you just can't help it. And I, I think every time I see Jess Ennis, I'm like, oh my God, that's just... Like, because you just remember the feelings that you had watching yeah. them when you were kind of growing up. So it's just like, I just don't think I could be at any age and not be starstruck meeting Jess. 
But then, yeah, at the World Champs, she's there as a pundit yeah. chatting about your performance. Yeah, it's so surreal. It's like a weird experience, and I don't think I'll ever quite get used to that because of who she is, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's really inspiring, actually. That's pretty cool. That's mm-hmm. very cool. And then out of everything you've done then, if we were to ask you for, like, the a high point and a low point, what would you say for those two? Um, so my high point was definitely winning British Champs. Um, last year 2018 I think my low point so I have got two so more more recently I've had an absolute shocker of a year in terms of training Um, so this year I've I've had like more injuries than I can count like I've broken a bone in my neck had like a nerve injury you should be doing that doing non-contact sport yeah I dropped 60 kilos on my neck it was just ridiculous Um, so yeah it's been a really horrible year and I think it's like my first experience of like proper injuries this year so I've, I've found this year really tough and especially because I've then got the added pressure um, of kind of I'm on funding now I'm paid to do this this is my job and um, whereas last year if I'd have not run well no one would have cared except me and mm. like my mum <laughs> whereas this year you've got a lot of pressure so it has been a tough year um, and then side of that kind of coming off my medication having all the anxiety and stress to do with that and um, because I always worried I would have another seizure that was probably like something I'll never experience again but I'm kind of grateful that I've had that experience because now I can think oh I'm a lot stronger and I probably deal with things a lot better and um, like even though this year's been tough I've probably dealt with it a lot better for having that experience yeah that's really really relatable like I think once you've if it's injury or whatever, once you've done it once, the yeah. second time it does, mm-hmm. like you know you can get through it. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Um, and I think it's just like kind of getting used to running faster and then what comes with that. Because my coach always describes it as like a car. So if you're travelling at 40 miles an hour, you're a lot less likely to crash, unless you're a really bad driver, um, than when you're going at like 70 miles an hour or so on. So I think that's kind of what I'm trying to learn and just that injuries are unfortunately a part of the sport, even though I've not had that many experiences with them. Really good. Maybe we should stop asking people the lowest point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. We're so yeah. casual about it. We're like, so like what's yeah. the worst thing that's ever happened to you? <laughs> Sorry, I've left that on a real life. <laughs> let's in the future, let's go low point then. High point. High point. Yeah, yeah we will do. Okay, but, so well, we are going on a high point. We're finishing on juicy cues. Oh. Okay, so we have this for every podcast. And we've just come up with like 10 questions. They're meant to be quick fire, but they mm-hmm. never are quick yeah. fire. Um, about you, just generally kind of away from sport and what yeah. you do in the day to day. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, so first one, what's on your playlist right now? Taylor Swift's album, I'm so sorry. So good. I'm so sorry the to man, That's the one. Yeah, my friend, um, oh, it's quick questions, isn't it? I no, you know it all. So my friend is obsessed with Taylor Swift and she got really into, they're not sporty at all, but she got really into the athletics while I was out in Doha and was messaging me every day about it. So I said, right, I'm going to... Um, listen to the new Taylor Swift album and I actually love it and I can't believe I've never gave her a chance before so yeah <laughs> that's my uh, playlist at the moment <laughs> um, what are you watching at the moment um, so me and my mum have just been watching some series we watched um, A Confession have you watched that? really very good. good very good really really good and The Capture have you watched oh, that? I haven't seen that yeah. no. so we finished them both last night so I need something else to watch okay, what's so The Capture on? is that Netflix? 
It was BBC iPlayer. Okay. It's very good. It gets it's very deep. So like yeah. a kind of crime drama. Yeah. There is a really good one on Netflix called Unbelievable. <gasps> yes, I've watched two episodes <coughs> of that. So that is the most honest one. I do have a life. <laughs> okay, what's your favourite cheat meal? Um, Pizza Hut, barbecue americano, or Texas barbecue, whatever you call it, and cookie dough. Very strong. specific. Mm. Yeah, that is strong. Yeah. And specific. But then convenient, like everyone's got yeah. Pizza Hut, you can yeah. find that. Mm. It's very good. <laughs> Um, okay, question four. What sport would you do if you didn't play... Sorry, sprint. The question yeah. down says play rugby. <laughs> 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 it really do um, I would do netball, I think, because I did really enjoy it at school. Um, I don't know how I would cope in like a team environment, because obviously... No, they're just selfish. Yeah, no, I'm not such a selfish person. <laughs> and agree with nothing that the, the team managers would be telling us. So if that didn't work out, I'd then go to swimming, another individual oh, sport. Yeah. I could not sleep and eat proper stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so five is what's your greatest achievement, but you've told us that in terms of yeah. winning the British champs, so... We did say we we're going to change this one last week, and yet here we are. <laughs> Asking the same one. What's the, like, you, the biggest thing you've learned from sport? I don't know if that's like friends, the friends you've made, or discipline. Um, I think, yeah, discipline. And kind of put, putting yourself through stuff that you don't necessarily want to do for a, a big outcome. Because um, that's kind of a, applicable in like your job. You put yourself through stuff to get a good job or whatever. Or like if you're a mum, you put yourself through sleepless nights help your kids so yeah I think that you feel like nine months of yeah yeah I'm that (laughs) yeah (laughs) moving on to question six if you had a superpower what would it be I love that one oh my god there's so many well in fact no I would be that guy from Incredibles the fast one yeah Yeah, of course and you could chill yeah Yeah, I've got that superpower (laughs) yeah although that's I don't think that's quite morally right in the spot I think I could probably get in trouble for that um no, maybe like to read minds, maybe. Oh, that's um, quite Dash on or to read minds. Yeah. Depending on if I get in trouble for the first one. <laughs> Depending on if you card put up yeah, um, yeah. a superpower. Um, so if you're an animal, what type of animal would you be? Um, probably a dog. <laughs> that doesn't sound very good. I was going to say because I feel like I'm loyal. But that obviously... Oh, no, that's a nice yeah. answer. Yeah, like a Labrador or something. Yeah. Or I a lion because of my hair. I get that a lot. Yeah. Wild hair. Yeah, yeah. wild curly. Um, next question. This one splits the crowd. Would you rather speak all the languages or play all the instruments? All the languages. That is like my dream. Yeah, that is my. I think about that all the time. If I could have like a skill, or well, maybe that should have been my superpower. I would be able to speak every single language mm. in the world. Because how sick would that be? You just yeah. like just blurt it out, and people are like, "Who's this girl? Why does she know like some like language that's only spoken in like by like." Yeah. And when somebody speaks another language fluently, you're so impressed. Yeah. Yeah, that is very true. It is impressive. Yeah. And what's your star sign? Gemini. Yes, you love star signs too. (laughs) I actually was reading something about my star sign today, like about what my um it came up on my Instagram, um, like about what my colours are and Oh, what were they? Um I think it was green and blue or green and yellow. Yeah, green. But it was just like a picture on Instagram and I was like reading it, I was like, oh my god. I might download this app. <laughs> Send us the yeah. link. Yeah. yeah. That's me with like memes every day. I'm like, oh, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> so they, um, can we do this last one? Yeah. This is what I want to ditch all the time. But Rona's like convinced it's staying. So, final question. Who do you think's got better chat, me or Bonner? 
Oh my god, that is so mean. We're keeping it a tally, but we're not telling you the score so far. Oh my god, I'm re- I really hate stuff like this. No one will be put up. No one will be offended even. Oh You've no. offended enough people in this podcast. <laughs> no, so I have. Like, one more um, can I just do it like this? Yeah, go on. Oh, Thank you. <laughs> That's four to four. Lovely. How oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Don't feel bad. So you can handle it. The first one, it was just me and Bonner, and we were like, who's got better chat? Bonner was like, me. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much for talking to us today. Like that was such good, to, like so good to get an insight into athletics and what you're about. And you have been on like an absolutely incredible journey, like from the epilepsy, everything that came after that, and then yeah, to win the Euros as an unfunded athlete. Like I don't think we can underestimate like what a massive achievement that is. And you're so down to earth, so. Oh, yeah, very down to earth. Even though I've slighted everyone. <laughs> I'm sure the listeners, aka our mums, will yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> no, Sorry but... to anyone I've offended on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> on a serious note, no, thank you so much for coming in. We wish you all the best for the season. Thank you for having me. Righteous among nations. We are doctors, lawyers, mothers, footballers, first minister, boat laureate. We're on the move, and I'm telling you, the glass ceiling's going. We're coming through. Rise up, eyes up, take the stage, play your game, don't be afraid. You don't work your far, or Jones of art. Always be proud of who you are. Gotta hold your head up high. Don't let this moment pass you by. You can be anything you believe. Anything you believe you can be